0: Our scripture reading this morning is found in Colossians 1, 15 through 29, reading from the NIV translation. The Son of God, or the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him, By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has re- reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present, you, to, present to you the word of God in its fullness with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. We're continuing our series uh, called Ripple Effect this morning. And um, as we look at this this morning, I was thinking about a time when I was laying in bed after ankle surgery. I had ankle surgery from... Uh, old basketball injuries and I was laying in bed and I was watching the Ironman triathlon in Hawaii has anybody ever seen that on TV or been to Hawaii been to Hawaii or right and so I'm laying in bed after ankle surgery watching people uh, torture themselves in this race and I sit there in this bed you know thinking I want to do that like, I don't know why that came in me. I just said, you know, that's something I, I'd like to do. So I decided, actually, I was laying, I, I, I couldn't even run at the time. I couldn't even walk at the time. I was on crutches. I'm thinking, I'm going to run a triathlon. And so I got, uh, I recovered from sur- surgery, obviously, and then I began to think about, all right, how am I going to do this? How am I going to go from hospital bed to running a triathlon? How am I going to get there? How am I going to get to that point where I can do that? And so there are some things that I had to do to prepare myself to be able to run these triathlons and work. And I decided, why, why do a road triathlon? Let's go off-road. Let, let's do mountain biking instead of road biking. And let's do trail running instead of road running. Let, why, why make it easy on yourself, right? And so I began to do these things. So here are three things I did to start, because I, what I needed to do was I needed to learn how to do this. I had never done this before. So one thing I did was I began to read books about how to run a triathlon because there's more to it than just the, just the, the, the running and the biking and the swimming. You actually, there's more to the race than that. So I had to learn, how do you do this? How do you go from swimming in a, in a lake to getting on a bike and riding? How do you do that? How do you, do you change out of your swim clothes and get into a, you know, and so you have to figure these things out. And so I began to read about it and learn about it. But that wasn't enough. I actually began then to train with other people who were doing triathlons. So I looked around the gym where I was at and I said, who else here is doing triathlons? And I began to work out with them and we began to share our experience and I began to hear their experiences of triathlons and running triathlons and then I began to think about how I would do it. Then that wasn't enough. Because of the distances I was going to be doing, I knew that I needed to hire somebody who had done it before. So I hired a coach uh, fortunately, for me, I was able to hire a guy 's name was Herb Spicer. He was number two in the world in his age group, amateur age group for a uh, half iron man. Uh, 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 race. And he had come in third in his age group at Hawaii in the full Ironman for his age group. And so I said, this is the guy I want to learn from, right? So I wanted somebody who had done this and done it successfully time and time again to be coaching me. And so I met with him regularly and I learned from him and he taught me a lot of things I had never even thought about. Like one of the things he taught me was drink chicken broth. You would never think that, right? But he said, have a can of chicken broth because it's instant salt, right? And so you deplete your salt, and so as you're going through your race, pull out a can of chicken broth and drink it. Like, who would have thought of that, right? I would have never thought of that. Like, you need to know that. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) But you get, but see, these are the things you learn from people who've done it before, right? The Christian life is not much different. How do you go from being, (laughs) you know, a a sinner... (laughs) for what term we use in the church. How do you go from that to be like Christ? How, how do you get from here to there? It, and, and I would say to you, even though triathlons are an individual sport, notice that I gathered and worked with other people that I couldn't do it alone. Did you notice that? And so the thing about Christianity, Christianity is not an individual sport. Christianity is not something that is done in isolation or alone. That's actually why we're here. This is why we're a part of a faith community because we need others around us who have walked ahead of us, who have lived this Christian walk before that can help us, that can speak into our lives. And we too learn and make mistakes and learn from our own walks with Christ. And we need to be sharing that with other people as well. So we don't, we don't do this in isolation, We're not Christians in isolation. We actually need one another. We need to be reading. We need to be with groups of other people who are doing and following Christ. And we need to look to others to help teach us and train us. Because we're actually part of a body. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says this. Now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So we do our walk. We do our discipleship. We do it in the body of Christ. We do it in community and in the faith community. And so here's where we begin to see the ripple effect that this series is based on. The first ripple we talked about last week was that we're to live honestly, like we're to be honest about our relationship to God and share our relationship with God, our successes, our failures, to be true and and to be doing that. And then we're supposed to be building one another up in that honesty. And that gets us to this week, which is that we're to be teaching one another to follow Jesus. Like we were saying, this is not a solo sport. We're actually to be interacting with each other, teaching one another, sharing with one another, encouraging one another, building each other up as we follow Christ as we try and do this. So we're to be teaching one another. See how that works out. So it starts with us, but then we, in the body of Christ, we need, the next ripple for us is to actually begin to do this for one another, to look to one another and share with one another our walks with Christ that's what Paul says here in Colossians chapter 1. He goes into one of his long teaching moments in this letter. But here is a key verse I want us to key in on. And that's verse 28. He says this. He is the one, speaking of Jesus, the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. So I want you to take a look at that. Think about that, right? So our job is to present everyone mature in Christ. And when he says that, he actually, in the Greek translation there, it actually says every person. So we're supposed to admonish every person. He says this three times in the same verse, every person. We're supposed to admonish every person, teach every person, and present every person. All of us. (laughs) Think about that. Now, we often think about our own relationship to christ and our own walk with christ but are we actually thinking about other people and their relationship to christ because the ultimate goal of the christian life is to become mature because the goal here is to present everyone mature in christ the ultimate goal is to make sure that everyone is mature in jesus christ so i want you to take a minute right now and look at the person either side of you right now take a look at them even if you don't know them, maybe this is an opportunity to get to know them later after the service because now you've just made eye contact, you know. Now I've got to talk to this person, right? See, so you, you love it when there's no eye contact because then you don't have to interact, right? So now I've made you all just interact. So look again at the people next to you and ask this question. Are they, are they mature in Christ? Can you, can you guess? Look at them. Like, look at the person next to you. Like, are they mature in Christ? Would you say that they're a mature Christian? Do you know the answer to that? Probably you don't, do you? But I want to suggest to you this. According to Paul, according to his teaching, that person next to you, you're to help present them mature in Christ. Every person mature in Christ. So that means the person next to you, that means the person in the back row. Hey, back row people, back there, yeah. We'll present you mature in Christ, thank you, yes. But think about that. There are other people around it, and are we in this together, (laughs) Right? if it's not a solo sport, if Christianity is not an individual action and discipleship is done in a community, then we're all to be working together. We're all to be holding each other accountable to presenting each other mature in Christ, the people next to you every week. How are we encouraging? We, and the only way you're going to get to know where they're at in their walk of Christ, not, again, we're not measuring, we're not judging people but we're encouraging and building each other up in Christ. How can I be building you up in Christ if I don't know your story? I've actually got to get to know that story. I've got to actually have a conversation with you, and that happens when we get together, we train together, we follow Christ together, and we do life together. That's what happens. One of the things I love about First Free Methodist Church, and since being here, is that there's a great spiritual DNA in this church Around this idea of teaching one another. Th- this has been a, a good teaching church. Um, if you look, if after the service today, we'll have classes for teaching, and there will be teaching happening after church today. There'll be a, a Samaritans class where there'll be teaching. There's a, there's a Koinonia class where they'll be teaching. There's an Amici class where they'll be teaching There's a journey class, a journey group that's more discussion. They discuss the sermon. And then there's another group that's been meeting in the conference room, uh, discussing the sermon, uh, working with other uh, folks, some some young professionals and other people around our church that are coming together and talking about the sermon. So there are groups that are going deeper this morning and they're teaching one another. That's one of the things I love about First Free Church uh, is that we're teaching one another all the time and that we're trying to encourage one another all the time, that, that worship is just part of what we do here as the church. There are also people meeting in small groups around the city every week, and they're meeting in homes, and they're meeting at places of business, and they're getting together, and they're sharing life together, they're sharing their walk together, and this is how we grow as Christians. This is how we become mature. We need other people in our lives to do that. The other thing we have to understand is, what does maturity look like? You know, I ask that question, does the person... How do you know what maturity looks like, right? How do you know if you're mature? Anybody here want to claim they're a mature Christian today, right? I know I've got a lot of work to do. I don't know about you, but if I, the pastor, have work to do, I can imagine we all do, right? Here's here's what I've come across as a definition of maturity. I actually borrow it from Dallas Willard in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, and I love the way he puts it. And it's a challenging, what he says is challenging. He says this, our task in ourselves and in others, notice that, in ourselves and in others, because we're to be teaching one another, is to transform get this, right answers into automatic responses to real life situations. You got that? So a lot of times I think the first part is easy, right? The right answers, because we teach one another, we learn, and we think we have the right answers. But how do those right answers become automatic responses to real-life situations? That's when you know you're mature. (laughs) When you're responding to real-life situations the way that Jesus would respond to real-life situations, and it's not something you have to think about, it's actually an automatic response. It's a part of who you are. It's actually a part of how you think and how you believe and how you your attitude. And so we have to, it's not so much about Information as it is about transformation. You can have all the information in the world about the Bible. In fact, you can memorize the whole Bible and you would have all the right answers. But if you don't take the teachings of the Scripture and apply them to real-life situations, we're really not being a disciple. We're really not following Jesus until we do that, until those things become a part of who we are and we're responding and our actions are that Do you see how challenging this is? How easy is it to have the right answers? It's real easy, right? And some of us are even challenged by that. Well, I don't know enough, but we can learn. We can get the information. But until you actually go practice it, until you actually do something different, then things don't change. You know, going back to triathlons, one of the things my coach said to me at the time, he says, you know, Matt, you really ought to get on your bike. You know, they make these pedals and they make these shoes, and you can clip into your bike pedals, which I thought was a little crazy at the time when he said that, right? This is insane. Why would I clip in to my pedals? And he talked about how actually you get more power out of your transfer of power if you're clipped into your pedals, right? So this is actually true. This is, he was right, had the right answer, right? But did I want to try it out? Did I want to practice it, right? So I knew the right answer. I knew what I needed to do, but I was very reluctant to do it. Besides, I was, I, my excuse was, I'm mountain biking, I'm not road biking. I'm going over rocks and logs and trails and everything, and who wants to clip in and fall into a rock or a log or a tree, right? But I decided I'd give it a try. So I actually got clip-ins for my mountain bike, and I clipped into my mountain bike, and, and people today still who mountain bike uh, look at me like I'm a little insane, but I clip in, and I, I will tell you that the first time I went riding my mountain bike with clip-ins, you know what happened? I'm riding along, and then I lose momentum, right? And I stop. Now, I know that I'm clipped in. My brain knows that I'm clipped in, right? But what's not happening? Why is Matt not coming out of the pedals? Why has Matt just stopped, and all of a sudden, Matt and the whole bike goes... Why is that happening, right? It doesn't happen now. Well, it may happen occasionally. But why? Because what I, I had the right answer, but it had not become an automatic response. I had not trained my body for that practice. And I had to practice it over and over and over again. The more I practice it, the more it became automatic. And so now it's an automatic response. If I start to go over the handlebars, I'm coming out of those pedals right away. Believe it. Because my body is now automatically responding to that real life situation. You see how that works? You and I to be disciples, to become mature in Christ, we have to get to that place where our automatic response to real life situations is Jesus. And living like Jesus. And acting like Jesus. And loving like Jesus. And offering people the grace and mercy of Jesus. That's where God wants us. That's maturity in Christ. But you know how many times we're going to fall over doing that? (laughs) A lot. You know how many bruises and bumps we're going to get along the way? A lot. You know how many times we're not going to get it right? A lot. But we keep practicing. And we come alongside others and we share our stories of failures and successes because that's how we learn from one another. That's how we learn to follow Jesus. The other thing that Paul adds here is that we're actually to be teaching with all wisdom, he says. See, wisdom again, uh, wisdom is great, and the Bible is full of wisdom and, and encouraging wisdom all throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. So there's a difference. See, knowledge is one thing. To have knowledge is a good thing. To have this information is good. But wisdom is taking biblical knowledge and rightly applying it to life. So that's when we're being wise. We have to take this information, we have to take this practice, we have to take this training, and it's the wisdom that God gives us that actually helps us apply it in certain circumstances, in certain ways, and make sure that we're doing it wisely. You know, this, is, uh, this weekend we're coming up on Veterans Day, and uh, tomorrow we'll celebrate as a nation Veterans Day, and we thank, I, I just, we thank those who serve, and have served in the military. And one of the things that we know that happens in the military, I've not served in the military, uh, so I, I cannot speak firsthand to this, but has, who's here served in the military? Who's been through boot camp? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Now, when you went to boot camp, they trained you, right? When you go to boot camp, they, they train you. They, they train you to defend our country. They t- train you how to defend, how to use weapons, how to defend yourself in battle, how to perform with a unit. They're all these things that they train into a soldier. And that training, wisely used in the defense of a country, or defend our country, or defend the innocent, or to defend and fight against evil in the world, that's a wise appropriation. That's a wise application of that training. And yet, unfortunately, this past week, we saw someone who took that same training and applied it to harm innocent people. Who took the same military training and didn't apply it to help people, but applied it to harm people. And that is the difference between wisdom and not wisdom. (laughs) That's the difference, you know, what happened in Thousand Oaks, California. And we also, you know, have to think about what's the wisdom of training people who may have had a history before they got into the military of potential anger issues, right? So I think we also have to be wise in our training, right? That's what Paul is saying, is we have to be wise in our teaching and wise about our teaching and what we're instilling in people and helping them to use it wisely and use it appropriately. And that's why I still think that Christ is the hope of the world, (laughs) Because if it's not about information, see, as Christians, it's not about information, it's about transformation. It's about heart transformation. I'm always wondering, every time something tragic like that happens, I wonder, I always wonder the question, what if Jesus had got to that person's heart? What if that person's heart had been transformed by the love of Jesus Christ, by the mercy of Jesus Christ, by the compassion of Jesus Christ? What if? Would that have changed the application of that training? You see, the heart is where God God wants to get a hold of our hearts. God wants to transform us at a heart level so that we will respond to the world around us like Jesus. And that takes wisdom. The other thing that Paul says, actually later in Colossians chapter 3, 16, he says he's talking again about, again, teaching one another. Let's go to chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, remind ourselves what Paul says there. He says, let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another, hear this, teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, that's what he said in verse 28, but notice how he says that we're to do this, through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, capital S Spirit, Holy Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, literal Greek translation here, that word singing to God with gratitude in your hearts, it says this literally, with grace singing in your heart. With grace singing in your heart. That you and I, when we admonish and teach one another, We're to do it with grace singing in our heart. That's what he's saying, songs, hymns, spiritual songs that you and I, when we're teaching and sharing with one another, it's a grace-filled experience. It's to be done with this grace singing in our hearts. It's a joy, and it's an act of grace. Jesus says, I come full of what? Truth and grace. I come full of right answers and teaching and truth, but I bring it with full grace and grace is singing in my heart. See, teaching has to be done with these two things together. It's not just about right answers. It's about also doing it with grace. You know, I, I, I've not always done that with grace. I, I, I have right answers, but I don't always do it with grace. We had friends... Um, uh, when I was first married, and we would get together and we'd hang out together as couples and then we found out one day that the, the wife had, had a, uh, was having an affair with, uh, with a guy that she had met at her gym, and she decided to leave our other friend, our, the husband, and go and have, pursue this relationship and we you know there was no convincing to try and repair the marriage and so <clears throat> I thought I'd teach her a few things about marriage so i wrote a letter to her because i couldn't get face-to-face time with her and i wrote her a letter because she was a friend and i I was angry that she was doing this to my friend and our friend and so i began to you know let that anger (laughs) do my teaching so i wrote a letter about how she was making a mistake and how what she was doing was wrong and and uh, how that this relationship that she was now pursuing wasn't going to work out and that eventually she was going to figure that out and she had made a mistake and then eventually she's going to come back and have to apologize so why wait to do it so i i wrote this great letter I, and so i was you know i had i was theologically biblically correct in my admonishment but if i'm really honest with you there was no grace there was no consideration of her relationship to God. It was all about me wanting to fend and tell her how she needed to straighten her life out. See, you can do that. See, you can teach and admonish without grace. And and then I wonder why things never changed. But I often look back on that admonishment and I think about what if I had held her relationship to God as foremost in my mind and said, How can I bring grace? How can I bring restoration? How can I help build up and encourage reconciliation rather than just be right? Because I wanted to, that moment to come. So, if I'm really honest with you about what was going on inside of my heart, I wanted that moment to come where I could say, Told you so. And that moment did come. And I remember that moment. I remember the moment that she came back to the, to the husband and apologized and said, yeah, I was wrong, and I wanted to go write another letter. I said, told you so, right? I was, I, I was right. You were wrong. Let's get to it. But there's no grace there. My heart was not singing grace. And maybe that's the reason she couldn't respond or hear what I had to say. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> that when someone comes to you with something that if there's no grace in it, you can't hear it. Have you ever noticed that? But that when someone comes to you and loves you and cares about you and cares about your relationship with God and you know that, you are much more responsive to their admonishment. Have you noticed that about yourself? So that's also why we need to be in relationship with other Christians that know our story, that love us no matter what, that no matter what our story is, they come alongside of us and they say, hey, we're gonna be here with you even if you fail because that's the steadfast love of Jesus Christ working in me to encourage you, to build you up, to help you follow Jesus. And I'm gonna do it with grace. <laughs> and I'm gonna sing grace to you as I admonish you. <laughs> I'm gonna speak truth and love to you. And I'm gonna bring truth and grace to bear upon in our relationship. And you're gonna do it for me. <laughs> it's not just a one-way thing. It's a mutual thing. Can I get a witness this morning? Can I, is there an amen here in this church? All right, just checking, see if you're with me. But this is what it's about grace. So, thinking about this, how do we help present people mature in Jesus? Because that's the ultimate goal. How do we present ourselves and how do we present other people mature in Christ? Well, I think it goes back to triathlons. We need to be doing some things just like training for a triathlon. So I want to suggest to you this morning. I know each of you have busy lives; you have different schedules. But I want to ask you to figure out a way to help teach one another in your own life to follow Jesus. So that may look different for each one of us. For some of us, it may be I just need to pick up a book and start reading it because you know I'm busy and I, and, I, and maybe I don't have a group I can connect to. But you know, here's one of the things I love about books is that I can actually be mentored by the person who wrote that book as I read the book. So that reading can actually help me in my walk with Christ. So I would encourage you, if you're not reading a book that helps you in your walk with Christ, to find a book right this week that will help you do that. I'll suggest one. Um, He didn't ask me to say this, but uh, David McKenna, uh, who's a member of our church, he just wrote a book called The Posterity Gospel. Got that? Not Prosperity Gospel, The Posterity Gospel, which is about how do we pass on what Jesus has taught us to other people. (laughs) Exactly what we're talking about today. So he's written a book about that. So if you're looking for a book to read about teaching one another, I would suggest uh, David McKenna's book to you, The Posterity Gospel. The other thing I would say is if you need a coach, find somebody in your life who's further down the road, so to speak, in their walk with Christ, someone that you admire, someone that you look up to in their Christian faith and their Christian walk and say, can we grab coffee together? Can, Can we spend some time together? Can I ask you some questions? Can you mentor me? Can you encourage me? Think about that. And if you're not already in a group, a small group or a class, I would encourage you to think about joining one. They meet here on Sunday morning. There are others throughout the week. Let us know. We'd be glad to connect you to a group or a small group during the week. Or just go to one of the classes today. Just jump in there. Now, who are the class leaders this morning? Who are the leaders of all the classes? Would you stand up for a second? If you lead a class, Samaritans, Koinonia, Discussion Group, Journey. I see Chet back there. Yeah, Mel, the Journey, right? So Amici, Amici's, yeah, Amici, yeah, John, I So, stay standing up. No, 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 no. I'm going to, I need to point you out. So, I want you to look at these people. I want to ask you guys who are standing right now, if somebody new came to your group today, would they be welcome? Yes, yes. yes. All right, good. That's all I needed to know. Thank you for doing that. So, know how to do that? Yeah, you do. So, it is safe to go to these classes is what I'm saying. I just called out all the leaders right now. I realized that. Sorry, guys. I, I didn't warn them about that. That was off the cuff. Um, but I think they're, they're certainly going to welcome you, and uh, they will love you and accept you. So feel free to attend. So think about that. Think about how it is that you can grow mature in Christ. How can you begin to move to, from information to transformation of your heart in Christ? Amen?